0: in search of the greatest teams in business who are creating meaningful customer experiences. This is Heart of Business with Anthony Kenneda and LB Harvey.
1: Welcome to the Heart of Business. I am Anthony Kenneda.
0: And I'm LB Harvey.
1: And this is our first episode. I'm so excited about this, LB. Thanks so much for agreeing to be uh, a co-host with me on this thing and it's gonna be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me, AK.
1: Well, you know, as I'm thinking about the first podcast episode, I can't help but think back to what was actually the first podcast that I listened to. And I, I wish I had like a really profound answer. I think I'm admittedly more of maybe a late bloomer when it comes to podcasts. I think the first one that I that I was focused on was actually the Saster podcast. So more on the B2B side, really interesting kind of interviews. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of helped me, I think, a lot with with my career in learning how other people have have sort of done the job before. What about you, LB? What was the first podcast that you heard?
0: I was similarly kind of late to the game. I was not an early adopter of, of the podcast, um, if you will. Uh, And I'm feeling a little lowbrow because the first podcast I kind of fell in love with was Serial. Mm. And um, to this day, I still can't decide if the guy was guilty or innocent. It was a good podcast. A lot of doubt weaved in. I've since graduated, and uh, my husband and I are big fans of the Dan Carlin uh, Hardcore History. Mm. You do have to have time. Okay. The the podcasts are meaty. They're like two, three, four hours. Um, But if you're a history nerd like I am, they're pretty great.
1: That's great. It sounds like I've got some catching up to do. It feels also a little bit like this is kind of like the first day of school to me, at least. I loved uh, school supply shopping and getting ready for for school, and then getting all anxious in that first day. And it kind of feels that way. I've got a little bit of the, the teen angst going on here a little a little uh, nervous and hopeful for what this podcast is going to become.
0: Amazing. I also enjoyed school supply shopping, <laughs> and also loved a good fall wardrobe. Fall is my favorite season. And so that obviously coincides with the start of the school year. And I always looked forward to, you know, the possibilities of of the new year. And in fact, like when I think about kind of the cadence of life, I usually think about the year sort of starting in fall. So mm-hmm. I think that like school spirit has stuck with me.
1: Totally, totally. Well, I know very much like are perhaps educational pursuits. I think we have a lot of ambition for this show. And I hope that this is a show that years from now, people you know are still listening to and are following along with. And I'm wondering, LB, what your take is, what are people listening to the first episode several years from now? What are they going to think? Is it that the simulation crashed and the heart of business is completely automated and you know we have no need for humans and, and how we interact with customers? What's the future of this podcast going to look like?
0: You know, it's a great question. I... Fall into the camp that automation is good, but will never fully replace humans. I just I don't believe it. Yep. But I guess my hope is that people are just together again in five years.
1: Yes. So we can do this podcast live.
0: There we go. I'll, I'll fly down to Phoenix if need be.
1: Perfect. All right. Well, I'm super excited to kick things off and have our first episode.
0: We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about some of the inspiring news of teams and businesses doing extraordinary things for their customers, and we have an amazing interview to kick us off from the head of customer experience at Snap Travel, an industry that's been hit hard by the global pandemic. But first, as it is our first show, let's talk a little bit about what we're trying to do here. The heart of business speaks to those moments when teams and customers connect in really inspiring and meaningful ways. That's when your team is motivated and engaged in their work. And for customers, it's those personal and human connections that make them loyal to your company and your brand for life. In every episode, We're going to be speaking to leaders whose teams have gone above and beyond to connect with their customers and serve them in really meaningful ways. We're talking about the things that don't always make sense in the moment, but done well will be powerful and meaningful and create customers for life. We were actually inspired for this podcast by doubles. Yes, I'm talking about the Chicago Bulls of 1998. And for those of you who caught the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, that served as a real inspiration for us. And we're out there trying to look for the 98 bulls of the business world, people who are going above and beyond to create amazing customer connections.
1: That's right. And I, I have to say, when you talk about all-stars or great teams that really go out of the way to deliver amazing experiences for customers, Zappos is one of the first brands that I think of. And I, I think that given the, the focus of our show, you know, we'd really be remiss not to pay tribute to former Zappos CEO, Tony Shea. Who tragically died this last week. Shea's business philosophy was built around the idea that happy employees were the key to satisfied customers who would return again and again. And how to create happy employees? Well, rather than assuming that happiness is achieved haphazardly, Tony began to read about the distinct characteristics that made people happy. He decided that Zappos could find long-term success by building a culture around those very characteristics, a perception of control. Perception of progress, connectedness, that really understanding kind of the depths of relationships and being part of something that's much, much bigger than yourself. This led to initiatives like opening up the customer service line earlier this year so that any customers who are stressed about the pandemic could call in and chat or get help with literally anything. Some people called to dream about the vacations that they would take one day, others called to help find toilet paper. Either way, the Zappos team delivered. And while at the helm of Zappos, Shea also launched the Downtown Project, a project that was aiming at revitalizing the once neglected downtown of Las Vegas and turning it into a vibrant area where Zappos employees could live and work. And that effort grew beyond Shea's original concept, and that area has now attracted thousands and thousands of technology workers and entrepreneurs. And of course, all of this has paid off for the company. So Zappos was sold to Amazon for $1.2 billion in 2009. Amazon operated Zappos as an independent subsidiary where that happy culture could continue to thrive with Shea at the helm until he had just retired a few months ago. So Tony Shea was an inspiration to anyone who's interested in the link between happy customers and happy employees and long-term business success. If you were on Twitter earlier this week, you would have seen the outpouring of support and grief from the tech community when its death was announced. Gone way too soon.
0: Such a loss. And what Tony did, especially for the city of Las Vegas, is a real testament to the best of what business can do for people. And that's really what we hope to highlight in our next Heartbeats segment. Heartbeats is our recurring segment that shines a spotlight on the good news coming out of the business world. 2020 has been a tough year, but it is amazing to see how companies are innovating, pivoting, and serving their customers in new and creative ways. So each episode, we'll bring you a few of our favorite good news stories we've heard about recently. What's on tap this week, AK? All
1: right. I love this story, LB. Have you ever walked by a fountain in like a public area and you've seen a bunch of coins that have been kind of thrown in there?
0: Yeah. Well, back when we were like out in public. Yes.
1: That's right. Well, the folks at Disney World went through all of the wishing wells and all of the fountains and in Cinderella's castle. And it's uh, it's a small world ride. And they uncovered $20,000 in coins. Wow. In all of these various places, which I find Amazing. I think there's a math equation running in my head to figure out how many fountains that is, but they took the $20,000 and they donated to a local charity in Central Florida that actually provided Thanksgiving dinner for the homeless community locally there. So I think that's so awesome. Like that, obviously, as you mentioned on this year of all years to be able to find a way to give back to the local community. But beyond that, I think there's something kind of really, uh, I don't know, something romantic about the whole thing, that these are wishes in many cases that were granted with the coins that were donated in the castle. So I don't know. I found that to be a really, really fascinating and moving story.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I too have a lot of questions like, was it mostly pennies, nickels, dimes? That's right. How did they decide to go clean those fountains out? But regardless i think the the broader point and and what they actually did with the funds donating to a local homeless charity and bringing to life you know, great memory, a Thanksgiving lunch or dinner for folks who really needed it this year is amazing.
1: Very in line with the Disney brand. Absolutely. Um, you know, theme parks in general have been impacted through this quite a bit. Um, I know Disney had announced some layoffs a while ago and really around the theme park business. I believe in California, Disneyland is actually still closed at the time of this episode filming. So definitely a, a really great gesture. All right. Our next story is interesting. I got to say, as a marketer, I find this very intriguing and it's that TikTok has become now the home of what traditionally, perhaps, were considered mundane jobs that are now being promoted through the video channel. So think like landscapers, car detailers, power washers. These companies are now creating TikTok videos, basically showing the behind the scenes of them doing their jobs. And they're amassing millions of views on this content. We, as B2B marketers, have tried to uncover How to use TikTok in a way that can make a big impact and help us connect with our customers, tell our brand story. And the fact that people, there's an example here of someone filming a video of filling tubes of lip gloss for their cosmetics job. It's crazy. It's becoming a thing. And I I feel very left behind in this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have yet to create a TikTok video. So I too am a little out of the loop, but how cool. It's a really interesting phenomenon. And and frankly, uh, I see a front TikTok video. Coming out into the Ether soon.
1: <laughs> we need to work on it. If you are a Gen Z listener looking for a job, please let us know <laughs> because I too have not I have not figured out TikTok quite yet. Moving on, I'm so excited about our first guest on the show. Ali Bashir is the director of customer experience at Snap Travel, uh, which is a travel booking startup that allows consumers to make travel arrangements over SMS or Facebook Messenger. And you know, I'll be, uh, you know, we talked about this, I think offline, I'm really ready to travel again. So uh, how about you? Are you ready to kind of get back out there on the road? You know,
0: in my adult life, I have never felt this kind of grounded in place and and look like taking a step back. We are so fortunate yeah. um, in the grand scheme of things compared to so many others out there with the fact we're fortunate enough to be able to work from home, et cetera, during this pandemic. And I will also share that I miss seeing people, I miss coming into the office, and I really miss travel. And uh, yeah, my husband and I have a trip booked November 2021. So fingers crossed. But I actually got a little bolder and took advantage of a uh, kind of a Black Friday travel deal and booked a trip mm. in mid May. So I'm I'm really I'm still in the optimist camp on the vaccine, and I'm uh, fingers crossed that. Travel maybe back open to us safely in May.
1: I'm with you. I'm I'm really ready to kind of get out there, but again, feeling very fortunate for, for being able to to work from home. But you know, I think one of the companies or one of the industries that have been hit the hardest uh, this year with COVID is the travel and hospitality industry. You know, Snap Travel was was no exception. Their business was hit really hard earlier in March, but the incredible story here. Is not only did Snap Travel survive the initial kind of foray of the travel industry really being shut down, but the company actually got to profitability. And on top of that, they managed to really grow even faster than a traditional year while maintaining their profitability. Really, really incredible. And they did this by investing in the heart of their business. And Ali's team is responsible for that. So I had a chance to talk to Ali about it. And the story she had to tell was really compelling. I'm so excited for you to hear it. All right, today, I'm pleased to have Ali Bashir, the head of customer experience at Snap Travel, on the show. Ali, it's, it's so good to, to have you on the show today.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Awesome. And now, y- your team at Snap Travel was on the front lines of helping people really adjust all of their plans when when COVID hit. And something that I found interesting and just like learning more about your story is you had to. Juggle first of all, like maybe like all of us, your own team's concerns about their health and safety, and and kind of figuring out life during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but also your customers who had invested a lot of money in their own travel plans and trying to figure out how to think through budgets and and all of that as well. Obviously, well as your company and being able to you know develop kind of the financial future for Snap Travel in general. But I was really frankly inspired in the story because. It seems like y'all have developed through this resiliency, a greater sense of purpose and the business, which we'll talk about, reach profitability, which is amazing. So I can't wait to dig into some of these details with you and hear more of the story kind of firsthand. Before we do, let's break the ice. We have a segment that we like to call the weird question of the week. My weird question for you is... What was Toronto like during the Raptors parade?
2: Okay, so do you want to hear the saddest part? I'm a huge NBA fan, okay? And okay. I'm a huge Raptors supporter. And so this was like, why my moment, okay? <laughs> I was in the Philippines with my customer support team when the Raptors won and during the parade. So I was actually watching at like, three in the morning or whatever it was from a random bar in manila being booed at by non-raptors fans who are also in the sports bar while i was watching the raptors parade so i wish i could tell you more about it because i definitely would have been down there with like the other thousands of people who went but um i had to celebrate from the other side of the world i can tell you though that our city was like on fire. We're also just really sad we lost DeBaca and waiting to see what else happens.
1: Totally. Well, you had um, Van Vliet made the long term commitment. So that's great.
2: Yes. Fan favorite as well.
1: Good. Why don't we dive in? So, you know, for folks listening, maybe hearing this for the first time, Heart of Business is meant to really tell the stories of some of the greatest teams in business. And we think that the heart of business itself is this really important space within businesses where teams and customers interact. And so today's story is just a perfect example of what happens when you put the customer at the center and serve them during an existential kind of time within their own careers. And how does that then translate to value back to the business? As we dive in, uh, Ali, do you mind telling folks a little bit more about Snap Travel itself for those that aren't familiar with them? And maybe a bit about who are your customers that you serve?
2: Sure. So Snap Travel is a travel company, hence the name. And we offer hotels, uh, flights, and car rentals across the world, but at really, really great rates often um, anywhere from 25 to 50% less than what you would find online. And what makes us special, besides the fact that our rates are really great, is that uh, our sales are predominantly through messaging. Um, So you basically can text us, WhatsApp us, whatever's convenient for you, and you'll be connected with our bot, and our bot will customize this travel agent experience for you so that you can find what you're looking for uh, in a budget-friendly way. And one thing that um, I always like to stress is that we really have something for everyone. So just because our hotels are discounted and at fantastic rates, doesn't mean we're just sort of in the um, the lower end segment of the market. We really offer everything from side of the road, like need a quick place to sleep and stop, through to the Four Seasons, Ritz Carltons of the world, and everything in between. So we're a product for everyone, under the belief that everyone deserves to travel in a budget friendly sort of Manner, And we are expanding um, through the pandemic. We've made some business changes. Like you mentioned at the beginning, we've actually reached profitability, which was fantastic. And so we're now expanding into different verticals, going to take that premise of consumer friendly rates across different e-commerce platforms to the masses. So really exciting uh, to open up that chapter of our business as well.
1: That's incredible. And, and you lead customer experience, I believe, for Snap Travel. Can you tell me a little bit more about just the team itself and, and how, how do you all interact with customers, especially it's such a bot driven business? Like, what is that point of interaction?
2: So, my team and I basically live and breathe the customer experience. If we're not in a meeting, talking about customers and how to make it better. We are actually talking to customers or going through customer interactions and listening to them. And I divide it into two areas. So we're pre-trip support. And that could be like, you you do hit our bot first. So our bot is awesome. It's all AI powered. Um, our engineers are like phenomenal. some a really, really smart team. So the bot can do a lot. But at the end of the day, it can't replace a human for really nuanced questions For example, when we get a lot, especially like winter destinations, like I see this hotel has a pool, but is the pool heated? And so you need to go to someone who can look that up for you or things about like, can you bring your pets on vacation with you? Um, Those are questions that would get deferred to our pre-trip support um, who we have a team of agents who will address that for the customer. Uh, we also have post-trip support. So say you had a promo code that you forgot to apply, um, you would talk to one out of our team members to try to get you that discount back. If you weren't too, too happy with the hotel quality, that's something else that our team could help you out with. And so we're really covering the whole end-to-end customer experience. To make sure that people find what they need, enjoy their stay, and are able to check out successfully and think positively about snap travel and all the money that they saved. and my team sits half in the Philippines and then half in Toronto with me, which is uh, where our, our headquarters is located.
1: Cool. and obviously, I think with the the season that we're all in right now, we we all miss traveling uh, completely from a uh, Day in day out, but I know there's so many folks which, which we'll, we'll unpack that are essential workers that have been traveling. And so, although there might have been, I think we're now perhaps back to the levels that we were were prior to the the pandemic. Obviously, th- there was a big hit to the industry that happened back in March, April. Right. I was reading up on the fast company article that was published, and I think this came out of was it a Medium blog post or something that that your founders kind of had put together, mm-hmm. but really kind of detailing your journey through this so take us back to March. Uh, I think the article said that business had dropped about 80% overnight. What was that like? What was the sort of emotions kind of going on right right around the time this was happening?
2: So I'm actually going to go back a little bit further. So we are a global business. So come like January, February, we had an inkling of what this coronavirus was because we had people who were going to China and other parts of Asia who had been messaging us and asking us to refund their trip and so of course we're like oh yeah sounds like they're having tough times you know like I totally hear why you don't want to travel stay safe let's work with you and so as it started coming up in the news more and more we're like we have a handle on this like it's a few bookings here and there where People are asking for their money back, but we can deal with it in-house. It really wasn't until those early, early restrictions were placed on the U.S. that we had any sense of scale as to like how big this could actually be. Then overnight, people couldn't leave the country, couldn't come back into the country. And that's when travel really started to halt. And we were like so many emotions sort of going on at once. And so I'll I'll unpack that a little bit. I think first and foremost, we were obviously like worried for the business, like considering that sales dropped 80% overnight, you know, we're a team, we're a young company. We were kind of like, are are we going to get through this? And it required a lot of trust in our leadership, in our peers, et cetera, to say, hey, like we're a great group of folks, like, we're going to do the best we can and we're all in this together. But definitely, definitely a sense of shock there. But that was, I think, made particularly difficult based on the fact that we're juggling that with fear for like ourselves, so we didn't know how how serious this virus could be. We didn't know what numbers were going to look like. We were worried about ourselves, our families, our friends. Um, so a sense of sort of the unknown and like potential foreboding there. And then on top of all that, we had our customers. So we were experiencing a flood of customers who wanted to obviously cancel their trips, get their money refunded. And as much as we could identify with that on a personal level, because of course you're not gonna use that trip, you want that money back, we all wanted the same, it was very scary in the sense of what's gonna happen to this business if we have no more customers. And seeing it on a very personal level, like all of the customers' emails, calls, chats coming in uh, was really a whole new experience for us.
1: Well, the article was talking about the different types of refunds, uh, meaning like customers who uh, bought refundable tickets or made refundable engagements mm-hmm. using Snap Travel, and how those were, you know, a lot of work to keep up the volume, but but relatively straightforward. You all had to also deal with some trickier types of refunds where it wasn't quite that straightforward, or, or a financial commitment was made, and now you know you had to kind of look at the the fine print to really do right by the customer and get them their money back. Can you talk about just some of the complexity with some of these refunds. And frankly, why was it important to Snap Travel from your brand promise perspective to deliver?
2: For sure. So, when you purchase a room at Snap Travel, basically there's two categories, okay? So, there's the refundable ones, which mean if you cancel by a certain date, you will get your money back. And as you mentioned, those are the ones that um, we were sad to see go, obviously, because it meant like the loss of a lot of Disney trips, a lot of family plans, but at least everyone could leave and part ways happily, right? You had your money back. What was a lot more complicated is that majority of what we sell is uh, non-refundable given that the rates are so awesome. And so we had thousands and thousands of customers with serious financial liability uh, telling up who told us they wanted their money back and they wanted it back ASAP because they would no longer be going on their trip and so from a personal standpoint we completely got that right i had to cancel the trip of a lifetime and i too was struggling getting my money back so i could really put myself in these people's shoes being like they're literally go three years of savings because i was going on safari so it quite literally was the trip of a lifetime that i had been planning towards right um so we knew how important it was to these people To also sort of add a more personal element to it, people were writing into us saying like, listen, I lost my job in this pandemic. I lost my insurance. I Getting my money back for this trip because I can't go on, it really means a lot to me given my new circumstances. And so that was really humbling and saying like, we have to do something for these people, right? Like this is not just, oh, I'm not going on safari better luck next year. This was actually impacting a lot of our uh, customers in a more material way. So that's sort of the headspace that my team was in. But at the same time, we have commitments to our business to keep us growing, to keep us like afloat to our investors. Uh, We have a whole team who wants to keep their jobs because they love where they work and we don't want to um, hurt their circumstances either. And so we knew that we couldn't just refund uh, our guests immediately, even though that's like, you talk about heart of business, like that's what our hearts were saying, like just give these people their money back. Right. So we had to get creative. And the way our supply chain works without going into the nuance of things is that unless someone in the middle of the chain says like, yes, you know what? We're okay. We're not going to try to collect the money from you. Like, let's go back on the refundability principle of this booking. Um, we will still be on the hook for that booking and for paying it. And being sort of this up and coming company, we couldn't necessarily afford to be on the hook for everyone unless we had some assurance of getting our money back as well. Um, and that's what I mean, like the commitment to our company, to our business, to our teams uh, internally. We ended up negotiating with all of our partners who supply our rooms, all of the hotels. I had a whole team call the hotels explaining what was happening on behalf of the customer and asking if they would uh, be willing to provide a refund in that case. And so in general, um, it took a lot of work and a lot of manpower hours, but we were able to secure these refunds and then pass that on to the customer and now one decision that we did make was uh we weren't successful all the times you know small businesses uh had to survive as well they were counting on that money as well but something we realized we could do is that if we gave people refunds and snap travel credits we could refund them faster and we could refund more people because we'd be sharing the liability and so we ended up refunding over 97 percent of our customer base which is phenomenal in snap travel credits that are good for another 12 months so they can repurpose that money for whatever their next trip may be or um, a lot of people are actually traveling again during covid to like go visit families social distantly like stay in hotels or backyards and stuff so We're actually seeing a lot of good use of those credits to date, uh, which has been fantastic.
1: That's incredible. And I wanted to ask about another trend that you guys saw Mm -hmm. around essential workers traveling and using snap travel, be it doctors and nurses that were traveling to help hospitals and communities that were hit hard, where COVID was surging. What was that like? And how did you sort of start seeing that use case, I guess, pop up?
2: So this is my favorite part of the coronavirus experience. In the midst of empathizing with our customers and feeling their pain over trying to get their uh, bookings and their money back, we saw some really positive messaging coming in from customers. So people were saying like, thank you, Snap Travel. You saved me $100 a night, which meant I could extend my stay in this small town and help support the Hospital because I am an essential worker. I'm a nurse. I'm a doctor who I'm traveling to go support uh, a hospital, not in my community who needs more resources. And we saw tons of that or people who were saying like, Hey, thank you so much. I could now afford to go visit my elderly parents but from afar and just like check on them on the other side of the country. Countless, countless uh, chats came in regarding the positive benefit and how we were helping these essential workers travel, which really kept us going amidst uh, feeling sort of everyone's sadness that plans were getting canceled. There was a lot of confusion in the world all around. So it really kept our team happy and added a new purpose to us saying like, okay, this work is worth it. Like we're staying open. We are keeping afloat. We are bringing hotels, great new source of business and helping people really serve their communities.
1: That's incredible. I mean, the, I imagine given the backdrop of of the uncertainty out in the world that that must have you know to your point motivated the team. What do they what do they say today about the impact of this on their work? Has this elevated kind of their their greater meaning uh, behind their jobs and and thinking about Snap Travel is not just a technology product but really an enabler for community, for healing, for human connection, all, all of these things.
2: Definitely. We still get messages around like, hey, thank you so much. I could afford to quarantine and keep my family safe as I traveled. Like, I stayed in a a hotel for 14 days. Um, We still get some of the essential workers who are traveling saying they could extend their stay because their budget went further. Uh, So that is still very rewarding. But I think just at a broader level too, this really helped us connect with our customers. And I know you're always supposed to know your customer and we definitely did our focus groups. We tried our own product all the time. We would talk to our customers, listen, be agents. We we did all, all the checklist stuff you're supposed to do to know your customer, right? But this really helped us understand them at a whole new level because we were going through the exact same thing. Like people couldn't travel to see their families. I told you my trip of a lifetime got canceled. So we had this new sort of common bond. And that exists today that when we think about how we're helping our customers uh, through good times, through bad, like through finding a hotel with the coolest pool in Orlando (laughs) um, versus like getting a refund or helping them if they didn't enjoy their stay, like it's really our driving force that these people are just like us. And we could envision being in this same situation. And I think that's brought our team together and given us sort of a badge of honor that we're here to support them, um, that we wear proudly throughout the company.
1: Moving forward, you know, good news in the vaccine coming out, like travel, even as it stands to your point is sort of getting back to sort of normal levels. What learning will you, do you think you'll take with you into the Sort of new normal from a customer perspective. Uh, you talk a lot about empathy and, and kind of walking mm-hmm. in the shoes of the customer, but putting it in practice, kind of what, what are you going to take with you, I guess, as a, as a CX leader or really as the team moving forward?
2: That's a great question. In addition to the empathy, when I reflect on the process and what I've learned as a business leader and working with customers, is that I have license to be creative. So if when I talk to my customers, all of them wanted the same thing at COVID, they're like, I need a refund and I want it in cash. And where I took license to be creative was I said, Hey, I can actually get more people, more options. I can ensure that they come back to fuel our business. I can help people make more creative memories or more fun memories. If I use credits instead of cash, it it kind of worked out to be better for everyone. Quite honestly, even though no one was banging on my door asking for that As an option. And so, with the success of that and how that worked out, I think it just challenges me and my team to think creative about how we can not trade things off, but grow the pie for everyone and make a positive experience for everyone, which includes thinking about the health of your business and giving customers the best experience that you can, especially because now I think I mentioned, we're seeing people are really happy that they have those credits and are happy to use them, try new things, uh, explore. And so we really feel like we delivered a great experience uh, at the end of it.
1: One thing I, I want to note is that the story here for Snap Travel in 2020 isn't necessarily just a survival story, it's a thriving story because, uh, and I encourage folks to read this, this Article. If they haven't yet, we'll include it in the the show notes. You all like leaned into the the challenge, made a lot of business changes, and actually reached profitability in I think about sixty days or something. You did. Unheard of. Congratulations on that. That's amazing. Thanks. I, I'm curious when you think of your team's work as sort of an input into that you know move to profitability, or just in general for posturing the company to like now be ready for that next chapter of growth. Um, which again, it sounds like you guys are growing and maintaining profitability as, as you're growing. What was the role that the customer team really put into that effort?
2: I think we managed the customer experience such that we had customers who still wanted to come back at the end of covid so when travel restrictions were uh, released when people said i can't take this anymore i've been cooped up for too long we had customers who were eager to come back to snap travel because they thought we handled them and their predicaments fairly uh with dignity quickly that's something we haven't actually talked about but we really focused on managing the uncertainty by getting back to them as quickly as we could and so at the end of the day, they remembered who we are and they came back. And so as we grow, as we expand to new verticals, um, we still have that customer base relatively intact and thriving thanks to the work of all the people who took the time to serve our customers over COVID.
1: That's incredible. I'm excited about this next segment. We call it Speed Round. Speed round basically means you have... Uh, I've got a list of questions here, and you have five seconds or less to answer each question.
2: Okay, I'm ready.
1: All right. So The first question is this. Uh, what is the best book that you've read recently?
2: The Hen Artist. Really good. I highly recommend.
1: Awesome. Uh, what is your favorite podcast?
2: Well, this one, because you featured me and I've never been on a podcast before... Um, plus I really like our working relationship with front, but if I'm not being biased, um, I really like the daily to keep up with news and I love something called the history of the nineties, which highlights different, um, like historical events or like fun events, uh, from the nineties. So it's, it's cute and light.
1: All right. Stop the clock. I am a huge nineties fan. I'm going to check that out. We're going to do some cross promotion here.
2: Yes, you have to go through the '90s. It alternates between like Spice Girls, like how they rose to fame, versus like the assassination of like the Israeli president, like the prime minister. So you really get everything going on in
1: there. That's awesome. I'll definitely check it out. All right. Question number three: Do you prefer to work from home or work from the office?
2: I wish I could do both. I do like home because I see my dog all the time. Um, But I wish I could do both because I'm pretty social and I miss seeing
1: people. Okay, next question. Uh, Favorite purchase you made during quarantine?
2: I was really worried that my favorite florist in Toronto was going to suffer uh, thanks to like COVID when small businesses closed. So I sent every single one of my friends and every single one of my family members giant bouquets of flowers online so that their flowers that were sitting in their refrigerators didn't go to waste. I was like literally crying because I was afraid of all the flowers that were gonna be thrown out. Um, And so that was my favorite purchase, albeit a bit outrageous.
1: I think it's amazing. Uh, that's a great answer.
2: I, I'm glad you do. My husband saw the bill and didn't think the same. He <laughs> you know, could appreciate my sentiment. He was like, what did you do?
1: <laughs> I'm saving oh That's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. The last question. Uh, what's a brand that you admire the most?
2: Um, I really like Indigo. I don't know if you would know what that is. It's our Canadian Barnes & Noble equivalent. Cool. Yeah. So it's um, a big bookstore, but also because like book retail is obviously um, slow industry these days, like into home decor, uh, board games and different stuff. It's by a um, Canadian like founder and businesswoman who's like pretty prominent on the business scene too. And uh, great branding overall.
1: Awesome. Well, Ali, thank you for being on the show. Congratulations again for an incredible story that is still being told, certainly in 2020. And again, thank you. I think for for everything that your team did to help both do their part in uh, serving your customers, but also in in helping give people the care that they needed, kind of through your actions. So, really appreciate everything y'all have done, and thanks for for being on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to get to talk about this and uh, looking forward to hearing who else you have on the show too. I I can't wait to hear other people's uh, Heart of Business stories.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Sally. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. You're listening to Heart of Business. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Now back to the show.
1: There you have it. A story of exceptional customer service, a team finding purpose, and the company thriving. It doesn't get any better. LB, it's time for your last word. I thought that that story was
0: so inspiring. And I love what it teaches you about building empathy for your customers. Sometimes you really have to put yourself in their shoes to understand what they're really going through. And as Ali said, strike the right balance between creative solutions that may not be exactly what they were looking for, but do solve their problems while still positively impacting the business. And I think Ali and team did a phenomenal job of that in a really tough position. Um, so I think we can really all embrace this message of empathy and bring that back into our everyday uh, interactions with our customers. Look, I think like most people when the pandemic hit, the first thing I thought about was what does this mean for me? And it's really easy to get stuck in that headspace. But the truth is it's been really hard for for everyone and especially in an industry like snap travels, there were literally no winners. It was a total shutdown. And I think it's pretty inspiring that they were able to strike that right balance of really understanding and doing what they could for customers, I mean to refund something like 97% of queries that came in is is pretty incredible and yet to get the business to profitability during that time, like what an incredible blend of servicing your customers to delight while still doing the right things for uh, your business and its outcomes. So I was really, really impressed and it really wouldn't have ever been that way if people like Ali weren't closely connected and listening to their customers on a day-to-day basis and really driving that mentality of customer empathy throughout their organization. So props to Allie and just an amazing story.
1: Props to Ali, props to the team. And we're, we're wishing nothing but continued success for Snap Travel and for the travel industry at large.
0: Well, AK, I think that's it for episode one. For those of you who are listening, please hit subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review us as well.
1: And you can follow the Heart of Business podcast, as well as other great stories of how teams and customers are working together to make missions possible by subscribing to FrontPage the editorial site that we've recently launched for founders, executives, and customer-facing teams. Or you can follow us on Twitter at FrontApp or by going to frontapp.com backslash blog. Until next time.
0: Heart of Business is a Front Page production, brought to you by Front, the leader in customer communication. Front Page is the trusted resource for leaders who believe in the impact of meaningful connections with customers. You can find more inspiring stories at frontapp.com/blog or on Twitter at frontapp. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, so you never miss an episode of Heart of Business.